Well, you can uh, join us in this worship time of, of giving. Uh, you'll see on the screen behind me there are multiple ways to give here at South Creek, and uh, we are so uh, appreciative of uh, your generosity. You can give here uh, in person. You can text any dollar amount to the number on the screen, or you can go to our website, southcreek.church, and there you can um, either do a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift. And uh, really, we so appreciate um, just the generosity that you have. Also, we hope and pray uh, that through the act of giving, um, that you also see um, God's blessing. Um, you know, oftentimes, uh, we, I think, forget that uh, one of the great things about um, giving is the fact that it really shapes us as followers of Jesus. And so uh, we are really uh, excited about that. All right. Well, hey, uh, at this time, if you are a kiddo who is uh, third through fifth grade, you're going to head out this way um, to South Creek Kids. You guys do not have to stay in here as I talk about parenting and all the secrets that I have. which is your Q2, that it might be a really short message today. So on Tuesday, um, I am a little bit in denial. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, my oldest son, Gideon, is going to turn seven. And uh, it is a weird feeling. If uh, anyone who's a parent, you, you remember that moment, right, where uh, either your spouse or, or a nurse or someone hands you um, that little bundle of joy, right? And you, you look at them, and they look like an alien, but you also think they're beautiful in a weird way. And, uh, like, you have this immense amount of pride and joy of, like, I would literally fight a mountain lion for you, even though you are going to make my life harder than it ever, I thought ever could be. And you have those feelings of both, this is like the coolest thing ever, and I have no idea what I'm doing. And I am incredibly <laughs> scared. Today, uh, we are continuing in our series called Made Alive, The Journey from Death to Life. And we have been using um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, also known as the book of Ephesians, as sort of our, our template, our, our, our baseline of where we've been learning about this idea of how as followers of Jesus, uh, though we once were dead to sin, we've been made alive in Christ. And we've been looking in particular the last week or so at this idea of how every aspect of our life is called to experience resurrection, to look different than what it did before Christ. And last week, we looked at uh, this idea of marriage and um, how much we are called to live in marriage in a way that looks different than the rest of the world, in a way that brings life and peace and wholeness and today we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of parenting and also a little bit about what it means to be a kid, which some of you are going to be like, can you get the kids back in here to listen to that part? Um, 
And that's important, but we're, we're going to be looking basically at four verses in Ephesians, and then we're going to look at a few other um, places throughout Scripture. But, but I want to say this uh, at, at the forefront, because sometimes obvious things are worth saying, because I wonder sometimes if we just need to hear it and feel a little bit of like a cathartic moment of like, okay, I'm not the only one. Uh, and the first thing I want to say, because again, I am no parenting expert. I've been at it for seven years. I should say I have been failing at it for seven years. Um, and I, uh, but I've also had the privilege of seeing a lot of parents um, succeed and, and sometimes fail. Uh, and I too have been raised by um, parents. And so what, what we're going to look at this morning is just um, what we see in Scripture and what, parent, what, what Scripture has to say about parenting um, and, and maybe some helpful things. But I'll, but I'll say this up front. Um, the Bible is so good, and we're going to look at some of the principles. But one of the things that is difficult is the world that we live in today uh, is, is a lot different than... Um, ancient culture before. Uh, the, the hard part is when Paul is writing to these people, um, these people are not dealing with things like a digital footprint. They don't, uh, they're not dealing with whether or not you let your kid on Snapchat. They're not dealing with um, how do you figure out the best filter for YouTube kids. Um, there are a lot of things that are different, yet the principles are important. But, it, but it's important to say at the forefront, parenting is hard. Can I get an Amen. amen. <laughs> And one of the things I've realized um, watching others, and even at times when I have not been walking as close to the Lord as I should, parenting is even harder without Jesus in your life. Thank you. Because it is one of those things that it is, it is somewhat wild that we take these vulnerable, crazy little creatures and we throw them oftentimes to people who are in a season of life where they're trying to figure out who they are. Because the older I get, the more I realize that, like, I don't know when you really become an adult. I'm still not sure if I'm there yet. And yet you're thrown into helping someone else figure out and navigate life while oftentimes you are still figuring it out. Every first-time parent is a first-time parent. They've never done this before. They're, if you're the oldest, you are the guinea pig. Sorry, by the way. You just are. Because they've never done this before. They don't know exactly how it goes. And every kid is different. And yet parenting is one of the most important things, one of the greatest gifts, one of the highest callings that we have been given. And I should say at the forefront, if you are not there yet or if that never becomes exactly your um, path in life, would you know also, though, as a follower of Jesus, you are a spiritual parent to so many others. You are invited and called into doing that. If you are part of this church, uh, we pride ourselves on being a next generational church. You also have this mandate of being an example and being intentional in raising others. But parenting is, is difficult. And one of the things why it is so hard is it makes you lose your marbles, This morning, as I was getting a few things uh, ready, uh, some of the worship team uh, heard a very interesting noise. Um, I had 936 marbles in a Ziploc bag. And uh, we found out today that uh, 936 might be the threshold for a bag staying intact when you lift it up. Um, so I would love to say with confidence that in here there are 936 marbles, but the likelihood is there's probably a few that are still in my office that got lost. 936 is the average number of weeks typically that a parent will have a child from birth until when they graduate from high school. 
Now, that feels like a lot when you think about it, but every week, if you're a parent, you are losing a marble. (laughs) And every week is a gift and an opportunity to be intentional about raising your kids. And before we dive deep into the scripture, I just have to say that there are so many of us that honestly need to wake up and get in the game and remember that though it is hard, that it is worth it. And the truth is, parenting, one of the most difficult things is it's a lifelong calling. My poor parents still are parenting me. Pray for them. But it's really hard. But one of the things that I see in our world, and especially sometimes I still see in the church, and it frustrates me, and, and I think there, we, we got to come together in, in a united front to believe in this, is that we have to stop being passive about our parenting. And one of the things that, that at least God has been talking to me in my own life and, and feels like it's a calling for the future of the church is that passivity in parenting will lead to spiritual death, not life. There's a lot of people I know who uh, in particular maybe have experienced some level of church hurt or they have um, trauma from their childhood, which totally understand. I get it, and I, I want you to say I'm really sorry about that. But I see tons of parents who in particular are followers of Jesus who desire for their children to know Jesus who have taken an incredibly passive approach to raising their kids in a way in which they may know Jesus. And the truth is, it's not going to work. Hoping that if you give your kids so much freedom that eventually they'll find him is not always the greatest plan. Kids, and I mean this in great love, are stupid. I know this because I was one, and in some ways I still am one. In all seriousness, the next generation is full of incredibly smart and wonderful, capable leaders who, where many people are worried about the church, I see so much hope, and I have so much belief in them. But I also know what it was like to be younger. And I think back about how much if my parents would let me choose whatever I want, whenever I want, however I feel. There's a lot of times, if it's that cute girl or Jesus, sorry JC, if it's video games or Jesus, sorry JC, There are some things where we have to be willing to be much more intentional because we are losing our marbles every day. And so we have to be willing to be all in and intentional on it, even when it's hard, even when our kids tell us things like my four-year-old told me last week, you're not my best friend anymore. I don't like you. I don't even love you anymore. That one hurt, right? You know, that one's deep cut. Because 
parenting is one of these things that, 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 that throughout Scripture we see that there is this um, example of, of, of God being our Father and us being his children, and we see this, this thing of how important it is that we are all in, that we don't take for granted every day, that every day we are intentional in care. If you have a Bible this morning, you can open up to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we're going to hang out and kind of launch out. And uh, I'm going to start off. So if, if there's kids in this room, um, parents, this is your moment, I guess. Actually, play it cool, parents, okay? When I read these things, whatever you do, don't look over at your kids. Don't elbow them. This is your moment to be cool, okay? But kids, listen. It says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Every parent's like, yes! Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on this earth. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, this call as a, as a child. But I'm going to go ahead and say this at the forefront. And, and maybe this is also something that may be a helpful thing if you're healing from some past hurt um, relationship with maybe your parent growing up. Um, I'm not excusing any um, abuse or mishandling or toxicity if, if you come from that uh, in a parental relationship. But there's a lot that I've processed through which I had incredible parents who loved Jesus, who still love Jesus, who still love me. And there still are things in my life that I'm processing because if we live through life, we will experience hurts. It's just gonna happen. But one of the things I, I've come to, to this recognition of is that Healthy parents who are seeking to follow Jesus will almost always have your best interest in mind. And so even though, here's the thing, especially teenagers, if you're listening right now, your parents are going to mess up. They are not trying to be mean. They do love you a lot. Yes, there's probably going to be times where they're going to say things they wish they would have said differently, done things they wish they would have done differently. But I guarantee you, if they really are trying to follow Jesus, I guarantee you every decision that they make is not done with ill intent. It is done with your best interest in mind. Because there are tons of times now, it kind of pains me, it's really hard to go back and sometimes say, mom or dad, you were right. Which is probably also the coolest feeling as a parent, I have to imagine. I'm hoping that happens someday, right? But there is something about this, right? It, this is this first sort of commandment with a promise, and some of it has to do with this idea of living out wisdom, right? That one of the gifts of a, a parent, right, is that in theory, a parent is farther along in life. They have more wisdom because they've experienced more successes, more failures. They can give you advice. And while, yes, the world is changing and there are certain things, I cannot ask my, fam my parents about technology, there are those calls that if you have an adult parent, you know every once in a while you get those phone calls where you're like, all you got to do is plug it in. <laughs> have you tried resetting it? That's not your password. Um, but there are a lot of things that you can still learn. You can learn from someone who has weathered the storms, who has gone a little bit farther than you. And again, parents who love Jesus... I guarantee you, if your parents do anything else, they pray for you. And they desire greatness for you. So kids, um, 
Trust your parents. Trust their wisdom. Trust their guidance. Of course, that doesn't mean flippantly if they're doing things that are outside of uh, Jesus' will and Jesus' way. If they're doing bad things, don't do that. But just hear me on that. More often than not, they're trying to be good. All right. So Paul continues on. After he tells kids to do that, this is what he says next. In, though he says to fathers, this is for mothers too. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. Don't exasperate your children. All right, I'm going to give you three um, kind of primary values or, or things to, to think through uh, in your parenting that I think could be helpful as a follower of Jesus. But I, but I want to say at the forefront, because sometimes um, I think Christianity gets a bad rap for, um, sometimes in the world that we live in today, some people would say, well, Christianity, it's kind of backwards. It doesn't do all these things. It's not kind and loving. And uh, between last week's message and this week's message, I, I feel confident to say that Christianity has done more for the family than basically any other religion or group in human history. And one of the things that it's done is it's brought value to every member of a family. Last week, we, we, we talked about how one of the beauties of the, the way of Jesus when it comes to marriage is this fact that in a world that would oftentimes see women as property, as secondary citizens, etc., that we were called to be um, people in a marriage who would mutually submit to one another out of love. We see that there was value brought to women. And in this, we see this call that we are not to exasperate our children. This, in, in a lot of ways, means to not demean them, not to overburden them, but to love them, to train them and instruct them. We're going to talk about some of what that looks like in a moment. But one of the things that's wild for us today, that's like, a, well, no duh, because we've grown up in a time and a culture where in some ways maybe we've even at times swung the pendulum too far where we have made our families kid-centric. That's another sermon for another day. But in this time, in this day, children were not looked at with value and worth other than possibility for labor or, to, or, for, labor or for legacy. You see, in this time, in this Roman culture, it was very normal that if a family had a child and they did not want them, they would just have places outside of cities where they would go and leave the baby. In fact, one of the things that was interesting that was a huge um, uh, sort of uh, awesome thing that the followers of Jesus did in that day is they began to see all life being something that was worthy of dignity and respect and love. And Christians were oftentimes known for being people who would frequent places where people were leaving babies behind and take them as their own and raise them, which I think is beautiful and what a picture of the gospel. But in this, we see that Christianity leads the forefront to say that children have value and worth beyond what they can give you, that just for who they are. And so out of this, what I want to talk about with our, with our time, and I'll be brief, is, is some things that I believe we could do as parents, whether your kids live at home or whether they have, 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 have flown the coop, that we could still do to make a meaningful impact on their lives where we are saying, I am taking seriously this call about being intentional as a parent. And the first principle, the first value that I think we could really embody is this idea that we need to be present and encouraging. We need to be present and encouraging. And these things are not mutually exclusive. I have seen 
And I have been a parent, by the way, who at times has been present physically, but not present mentally. I've spent a lot of time in the same room with my kids where I've spent no time with them. There's something about not only our presence being there, but also our attention and our words. When Paul calls fathers not to exasperate their children, but instead bring them up, training them, he he is also talking about this idea of speaking words of love and encouragement. You know, it is wild, uh, the relationship between a parent and a child, right? I, I have found it very interesting that the words that oftentimes have cut me the deepest in the last seven years have come from my kids. And some of the words that have healed me most have come from my kids. And on the other end, I know it's true that in the last 30-some years, probably some of the words that hurt my parents the most have come from me. And probably some of the words that have healed them the most have come from me. There's a lot to be said about what we say. There's a lot to be said about in a family being a united force where we speak words of truth and hope and love. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it tells us this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. In the world we live in, every single day, our kids are going to be torn down. That's a reality. They're going to be torn down by the words of others. They're going to be torn down by seeing unrealistic expectations of success or beauty or intellect, all of those sort of things. And we have a mandate as parents, as as spiritual mothers and fathers, to speak words of encouragement and hope, to show up in the lives of our kids. Because kids need parents who are present and encouraging to show them a God who is with them and for them. For most every kid, especially if they grow up in the church world, their first picture of who God is is their parents. And just by being there and really being there and speaking words of encouragement, you know what's crazy too? It does not take very much effort to notice something in your child and tell them that you're proud of of them for it. It takes very little effort effort to do that. Do it this week because your kids need it. Here's the second thing we got to do as parents desiring to be followers of Jesus, desiring for our kids to experience life, not death. We have to be consistent and clear. We have to be consistent and clear. Paul said we, we, we train them up in, 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 in instruction uh, uh, and training. And think about this being from the instruction standpoint. We have to be willing in a world where kids are going to hear all sorts of things. They're going to be invited to all sorts of worldviews. We're going to be invited as parents to think about parenting in all sorts of ways. We have got to be consistent and clear about what Scripture says and about who Jesus is. And we have to be willing to be consistent and clear in the way that we raise our kids. 
In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, we, we learn this about who God is. For our God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And this word peace is, is this word that oftentimes doesn't just mean a lack of strife or things like that, but it also means wholeness. I see again a lot of, a lot of parenting sometimes that's really passive that is sort of like, let's just see what, they, what happens with them and let them you know, kind of go a different way. And, and I want to say this, boundaries, rules, and rhythms are loving, not restrictive. Kids do not thrive in chaos. And we have to create order to help our kids grow. And that can go from whether just your normal routines within your um, family, uh, in your home, but also with faith. We have got to be clear in what we believe, in who we are, and what we expect, because our kids need that. They already live in a world full of stress and chaos. They need some consistency and clarity on who God is, and honestly, in particular, who God says they are. So many kids need this. And again, it is really loving to set boundaries and rules and rhythms. This is an important thing because, again, it also reflects God's design that there would be order in this world. And here's the last thing. We've got to be an example of Christ. Throughout Scripture, we see this call over and over to be examples of Christ. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, we hear these words of Jesus. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul speaks these words. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And in Ephesians, one of the verses that we've come back to over and over in this series, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. This is one of the hardest things, and this is, this is where usually the rubber meets the road. You know, I think hypocrisy has pushed more people away from Jesus than just about anything else. And I know tons of parents who have had great intentions raising their children, even within the church at times, whom their kids walk away from faith. And they may have been clear and, and, and consistent, and they um, likely were present and encouraging in some ways, but they did not actually model and live out the way of Jesus. And so their kids saw hypocrisy. Their kids saw someone who was inconsistent. Their kids saw someone who looked one way on Sunday, but a different way Monday through Saturday. They saw someone who may show up and sing songs of praise, but did not live out the fruit of the Spirit throughout the week. And here's the incredible thing. Everyone has the opportunity to make a shift, to make a change. But I'll say this, um, your kids will most likely follow your example more than your expectations. You can have all sorts of expectations or words that you say to them that you want them to do, but sometimes talk is cheap. You know, they oftentimes say um, it's sometimes more about what's caught than what's taught. And I know in my own life that's true. There are, there are funny sayings that I can think about that my dad has said over the years, um, but what has shaped me and formed me into the man that I am 
um, has far more been the examples of my dad consistently living like Jesus, more than just his words. And he was a preacher, so I had to listen to him forever. But it is so true. If you say one thing but do something else, the whole parenting of do as I say, not as I do, doesn't work. It doesn't work. If you really want your kids to experience life and life more abundantly, if you really want them to experience the journey from death to life, you have got to be an example. And here's one of the great things that I think people get worried about. Being an example does not mean you have to get it right. Doesn't mean you have to get it right all the time. Some of the most foundational, important moments of my life with my parents have been the moments where they have utterly missed the mark where they overreacted, where they made a poor judgment call, when they said words they wish they could say differently. And they have apologized, owned up to it, and made a change. And so here's the thing. Maybe you're sitting here feeling a little convicted, like, oh, I wish I could do that over. It is never too late to make a change, to make a shift. Your kids, your grandkids, they need it. They need people who will be present and encouraging. They need people who will be clear and consistent in their life, and they need people who would just be an example of Jesus. Pastor Cole is going to come out, and we're going to sing one last song, but there, there's a story that we um, probably all have heard over the years that we usually call the story of the prodigal son. And um, in this story, if you remember, there's, there's this story where there is this father uh, and these two sons. And, and one son, who is the younger son, basically comes to his dad and says, I wish you were dead because I want my inheritance. And so the father, being loving, gives it to him because he just wants to love his son. And he goes off and he squanders his wealth. And, and you might remember the story, right? He, he eventually come, comes home and there's like this hallmark, you know, movie type thing, right? Where the father has been waiting and he, he, he embraces him with open arms and grace and, and love, Right? And then there's this, this other brother who um, has been there all the time. He's been dutiful, um, but he won't come into the celebration. And he and, and the father, the father leaves the party because the father is always willing to go after his kids. And he leaves the party, and, and the, the, the older brother's like, you never did this for me. Where were you? All of this. And, and he tells him, my son, I've, you've always been with me. You know, that story I wish they would read rename from the story of the prodigal son uh, to the story of the loving father. Because in the story, one of the beautiful things is it reminds us of a father who, whether we have journeyed way far away and come back home, or if we've been around all the time but are still missing it, is there to love us. Because the, the, the story of the prodigal son's or the loving father, the star of the story, the most important piece of the story, the hero, is the father. The father who no matter what is willing to be there, to forgive, to embrace, to love, to empathize, and to understand. And one of the coolest parts about the story is it reminds us, too, of a father who doesn't need us but wants us. 
And this morning, maybe if you hear nothing else, because maybe you're like, I checked out the parenting thing a little while ago. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out in mentally. I want you to hear this morning that your heavenly father doesn't need you, but he does want you. And he wants nothing more than to forgive you and to embrace you and to have you come home. And maybe today is a great day to turn around and just realize the gift of the Father's presence and his love. Would you guys stand with me as we're going to pray and sing one last song? Let's pray. Father, we again are so so grateful for uh, your word. And Father, how it teaches us and it refines us. How it reminds us, uh, in particular, of the gift that we have uh, in you. And how we don't walk this life in this world alone. Father, I I specifically right now pray for the parents in this room, for the grandparents in this room, for the the aunts and the uncles, the, 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 the spiritual mothers and fathers in this room, Father. I pray that you would give them um, just a, um, a burden, Father, to make every moment count, to trust you with your kids, but also, Father, to, in a spiritual act of worship, maybe get in the game more, to be intentional, to be willing to be both present and encouraging. Father, in a world full of confusion, to be clear and consistent. And to, Father, through the help of the Holy Spirit, be an example of Christ for our children to follow. Father, I also pray this morning uh, for those who, who maybe this morning uh, are, are reconciling with this fact that they uh, are one of the kids who's went away. And maybe like the younger son, they ran far away. And for others, maybe they're just now realizing, I'm the older brother who's been so close to you, God, but I'm missing out on just the intimacy and the gift that you are. Father, no matter where we are this morning, would you speak words of hope and of peace and of love to us? And would we experience your gracious and wonderful embrace in this moment? Father, as we, speak these, as we sing these words, would they bring glory and honor to you? And as we sing, would you speak words to us? Would you call us home as your sons and daughters? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.